and welcome to another episode of Provoke, the podcast that takes a provocative look at advertising as a whole. I'm your host, Brian Wilder, and we have Kelsey Shalou on the West Coast Hi, Studio. How are you doing, Kels? Awesome, awesome. So on uh, today's episode, as we kind of begin to round out 2018, uh, I wanted to talk about guerrilla marketing and um, whether or not it's making a comeback. So to kick things off, um, recently, I'd say maybe a week ago or so, um, Burger King rolled out an app or rolled out a, um, uh, a campaign through their app to where um, I guess it was based mm-hmm. on geolocation. Um, so it would send people you the only way to redeem this offer was for a one cent Whopper. Um, so the only way to redeem the offer is that you had to be within, I believe, 600 feet of a McDonald's location. And then um, on the on the BK app, the um, the offer would 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 activate, and then you could you know then buy a Whopper through the app at at any McDonald's location. So um, a lot of people, a lot of people in the industry, um, Ad Week, Ad Age, and a couple others have kind of kind of lauded this as like a a like a pretty much a a, a five star troll move on on Burger King's part. Um, but I mean, they've kind of McDonald's and Burger King have always kind of been going back and forth. And I guess it's it's really a, 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 a almost a battle of attrition between two mm-hmm. evils, <laughs> I mean, more or less. Um, but I mean, I think it like when I first saw that when I first saw that story, I was like, oh, OK, this is this is totally guerrilla marketing. Right. And um, so I kind of wanted to co- start the conversation off with that. Just the idea of and I feel like we haven't heard the term. Kelsey, um, guerrilla marketing right. in a little while, just because it hasn't been been as prevalent. But could this and maybe a couple other a uh, couple other examples kind of be the thing that sparks the resurgence of? Yeah, well, marketing? I think something like this is super super fun. So I think, and it did. A, I mean, their app went from like nowhere on the Google charts or the you know Apple Play Store or whatever the all the app stores. I don't even know um, to like jumping to number one, and obviously was super successful. Um, which I find really surprising that it was as successful as it was. And sure, their app might have been downloaded a lot, but I haven't seen any numbers on like how many, you know, customers or consumers or anything like that they've actually gotten in through their, um, you know, through their door. So I'd be curious to kind of see what the aftermath of like actual customer, you know, numbers were. But, um, you know, I think that other companies, other agencies are going to say, wow, this is, this is super fun. Uh, like how, how can we fit this into our brand strategy? And, you know, this works so well because it is Burger King and McDonald's and you're right. They do kind of always go back and forth with it. Um, and you know, McDonald's is the leader in the fast food industry. So McDonald's is always walking around with a big target on their back. So maybe other companies that kind of have that, like, you know, rival that is the is the like leader in that industry they'll find ways that they can kind of um you know friendly provoke them i was reading that the burger king you know the 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 ceo of the marketing department or whoever was kind of in charge of this campaign was like we we we've done this so for so long with mcdonald's that like we we think and we hope that they know that this is kind of just a playful joke and that we're actually not trying to like you know do them any kind of major harm of course mcdonald's hasn't commented or anything on that but um you know the thing that i find the most interesting with this campaign is, you know, not that it was trolling McDonald's or that you had to go to the other location, but, you know, in the fast food industry and category, 
consumers are not particularly loyal to any particular fast food um, outlet. And so, and fast food exists for convenience, right? It's the price point is, you know, whether it's a cent or, you know, a dollar or two somewhere else, like that's really not what fast food is about. It's about the convenience of food. And so I'm amazed at how successful it was to get a consumer that is interested in fast food industry, you know, in that market or in that type of food to get so close to a McDonald's that they're already there. They could just spend, you know, <laughs> a couple more bucks and have their whole meal and just be done with it. And they had, they got so close 600 feet from another location. And then from that location had to drive, you know, however far to actually redeem their one cent Whopper. So I think that I find that the most interesting part about this. And like, I think if you look at the consumer and like buyer profile on something like this, like it shows that people are more interested in like the game, if that makes sense. Like they could have just gone and stayed at McDonald's and paid like $2 and gotten exactly, almost exactly the same thing um, because of the convenience. So it, it kind of looks and shows that um, the consumers are there to play. And I think that that's really like in my mind, that's kind of the takeaway for this. Cause you know, if you think about the future of how this could be rolled out with other, you know, other um, industries or, or agencies kind of pulling off a campaign like this. Um, I think it just shows you that people will play and people will play along because there are so many outlets to like show um, the game or the way that they were playing, if that makes sense. So like, I think it creates like a really good story that someone can like go then and tell their friend in person or go tell their people on Twitter or go tell their people on Instagram, you know? And I, I think that that was kind of my biggest, uh, interest in this in this particular campaign okay um for me and i think i kind of hinted at it earlier um i like i i i get the idea that like you know there was this kind of this like tongue-in-cheek sort of playfulness about it right um but it was weird it was it, it and going to your point it was it was weird that they would send it was kind of a gamble to send that many of your customers, potential customers to a McDonald's, you know, to your competitor, Correct. essentially. Right. Um, but I mean, I think it's, it's just one of those things where they kind of, they kind of, tr I, th I think they kind of trust their customer base at this point. I don't think it was a situation mm -hmm. where they were trying to gain new uh, customers, so to speak. Um, just because there's a lot, there were a lot of steps you had to take in order to get to that one, one cent offer. Sure. You know, you had to download the app, you had to put in your credit, your, you know, your, your personal information, your payment information. You had to go through all this, you had to go through the trouble of driving to the nearest McDonald's and then hope beyond hope that there was a Burger King location nearby. You know what I mean? Correct. And so right. I think that was something when I was I was looking at the uh, a lot of the comments on Twitter when Burger King kind of talked about the uh, campaign and announced it. Um, a lot of mm -hmm. people on the thread below it were kind of com uh, complaining about how, you know, it, well, it, it would help if, you know, it would help if, you know, my nearest Burger King wasn't 15 miles away or 25 miles away. You know, it wouldn't help. It would help if my Burger King hadn't closed down, you know, three months ago kind of thing. And so I just I'm I'm curious as to about as to what the end goal was the, the you know of this campaign was, but I mean it, do, it, it impressions goes, on Twitter yeah essentially <laughs> like that's what it that's what it feels like you know just and I think that's kind of the the point of a guerrilla marketing campaign in the first place is just getting that right. that top of mind brand you know exactly brand it's just brand awareness yeah yeah mm -hmm. absolutely 
And so in that regard, I think Burger King was wildly successful. So if that was if that's what the main objective was, which I'd like to think it was, then, you know, hats off to them. But I just don't I didn't see, you know, any kind of advertising advantages past that. Right. Yeah. Again, I would just be interested to see some more follow up on like, you know, just as to not like this was what the campaign was and this is how it went. Here's videos of it. But like what right. actually happened? Like I wish. Yeah. Yeah. So but I'm sure those will come out and that will be really interesting. But yeah, overall, I think that any kind of guerrilla marketing is basically you're just to get brand to the top of the mind and to get people talking about it on podcasts. <laughs> and so, you know, I think that was a huge success. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, to kind of dive into that a little more, are there some other examples that you can think of over the past like year or two, uh, you know, that where guerrilla marketing really kind of came to the forefront? You know, I was I was thinking about this and I want to give you like the most real world example mm-hmm. that I can that like I like see see and was like affected by it instead of right. just talking about one that I saw like, you know, online or something. Right. Um, and honestly, like I think that there we could even have a whole conversation between the distinction of like outdoor advertising and guerrilla marketing, because right. I think there's in my mind, there's like a there's a very like thin line because I, I feel like a lot of what is considered guerrilla marketing could also be just thrown into the at a home category. Absolutely. Um, but uh, so from, yeah, so I was in Los Angeles. Um, this was a couple months ago mm-hmm. and I was uh, in this cool little district that I had never been to. And there was these uh, like really big billboards all over the place for a um, kind of like coffee lounge kind of hangout place. Right. And, and uh, on the billboard was graffiti and, it looked like I like had the conversation with the people that I was there was like, is that just graffiti because people were graffitiing it? Or is that like some kind of um, part of their their campaign and their strategy? Because it was kind of I'm not going to detail what the graffiti was, but it was quite graphic and it was hard to figure out if it was supposed to be there or not. Uh And so we kind of kept we kind of kept walking and I like my friends couldn't care less, but I was like very, very interested to know like how it was working, you know, on their billboard and what the whole plan of it was. And as we kept walking, I kept seeing that same graffiti on other pieces of their collateral. And it was definitely like, you know, live painted. It wasn't printed to look like graffiti. It was definitely like and someone going and and putting this image up. Right. And so I got home and I went on to like find them on Instagram or Twitter and find their find their social pages. And sure enough, I found that same image kind of tacked all over it. And mm-hmm. um, it was, you know, some some local Los Angeles artist, you know, that they hired to uh, implement this kind of buzzworthy um graffiti art all over all of their stuff and you know it just kind of got me thinking as to like is it supposed to be there is it not supposed to be there and it led me enough to like go online learn more about the company and then actually go to that place and like see what they were all about so I don't know if that's really fully guerrilla marketing but it was just kind of a weird thing that kind of caught me off guard Mm -hmm. that I was really interested into and that led me to like out of home to the internet to the actual store to purchase and so that was that my best like real world um example that I could think of that I was affected by recently. Uh, but I can't actually think of any time where I was like walking down a street and was like, um, and I guess it doesn't have to be a street, you know, Burger King was, it was online. But, um, I think when I think of like guerrilla marketing, it's like walking down the street and being like, kind of walking into like a, a 
very noticeable sort of um, stunt. And I don't know if I have one of those, um, but I wanted to talk about something that actually had happened. So if you have any examples or even ones that you saw online, go for it, because that was kind of the the best one I could come up with as far as like how I fit in Seth. Yeah, no, I, I uh, fit into the situation. Right. Yeah. No. And I think that's a great example. Um, one real world example that I can think of that I, I was able I was able to witness was um, when back when I, I lived in Charleston uh, or actually this was a yeah, this is while I was still living in Charleston, South Carolina. Um, the the graffiti artist Shepard Ferry, uh, who's from Charleston, he came back home and um, kind of did this whole I would I would almost call it like he pretty much tagged the city of Charleston. So there were just <laughs> just small to large size murals, paintings, stencils, sketches that were just placed all throughout the city. So like hmm. like from the down the, from the center downtown area, just fanning out to some of the suburbs, like there were just <clears throat> like I said, just these just mur- beautiful murals coming off of his power series. Um, and hmm. so I think it was like kind of part part advertisement you know just kind of kind of um marketing and advertising that that series and just and and really almost like a a homecoming um opportunity Mm. as well because i mean i wish i could i wish i could i could really kind of vividly describe the 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 um i guess the the amount of space that a lot of these murals took up covered Um, yeah it (laughs) like i'm talking like just the sides of like the walls of businesses a water tower um Mm -hmm. there was one that was like he he commandeered a bunch of flagpoles and like had his the obey the um the other the 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 famous obey um stencil kind of like printed on these flags um, but yeah, it was it was everywhere. And so I think that was one of those opportunities. And it, it kind of it kind of again, it rides that line between, you know, like outdoor advertising and guerrilla. Um, but I think mm. what makes it guerrilla, I mean, first and foremost, is that that kind of subculture approach that graffiti, the like graffiti mm. art tends to take, um, you mm. know, as well as just being like commandeering existing spaces that were meant for something other than advertising. Right. So right. I think that's kind of what kind of helps it teeter into the guerrilla marketing side of things. Yeah, um, and I think guerrilla marketing has some kind of like larger installation involved in it. Right. Whether that is the form of like graffiti or something that's like was built to be put on the street or hanging off a wall or whatever it might be. I feel mm-hmm. like an installation of sorts or or like an, a digital app is right. is imperative and, to the guerrilla marketing category. Right. And I think some, you know, some some bigger name examples of guerrilla marketing would obviously be like a, a lot of the stuff that the truth campaign has done over the years mm-hmm. and, and they've had some really iconic um tv and just uh just media spots um I, I, get, I think the one that sticks out most for me is the oh it was the one where they were i guess in like an alley or they might have been near like a, a a corporate building of one of the big tobacco companies and they mm-hmm. had um a conveyor belt like uh, facing upward that was that was slowly pulling or slowly pushing um body bags like just oh, body geez. bag after body bag like off this conveyor belt and onto a pile of body bags just on the ground oh my gosh and just talking <laughs> about how um you know it, that that yeah. idea of like 1200 people 1200 people die from from cigarettes every year right. or every day or something like that um yeah and so it just it really it, they basically just i'm sure they got the permits that they needed and stuff from law enforcement but <laughs> yeah you know it was just it was just it it was one of those like cognitive dissonance dissonance examples where you know you kind of have to see it like it 
in order yeah, for it to really have an impact it. like it, you have to be right. able to quantify it for the for the for the average person for them to understand mm. the true impact of certain act you know certain actions and so i think that was right. like like the truth the truth campaign has always been really good about like they had a stint where a lot of their 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 campaigns were around you know you know mm. commandeering public spaces and doing just like outlandish things in order to kind of like shake people out of their you know out of their their their, their ignorance and, and show them what the harmful effects of cigarette smoking right um so yeah i mean i think that kind of helps us kind of lead into the our next topic and it's really just talking about how to craft you know ways in which you can craft your own guerrilla marketing campaign mm-hmm. um and so i kind of wanted to start with that the, the 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 i guess the first step and that's really kind of nailing down your messaging and the tonality um in the sense that it really needs to be relevant right i mean it's gotta you've got to make sure that whatever you're doing whatever kind of takeover or you know hijacking of a public space or 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 area you've got to make sure that whatever message you're trying to convey um is the right one and it it does it's not confusing it's not vague it's not too cryptic um, cause if you don't have that, that the, the, the right messaging for your opening, you know, for your opening kind of statement, your opening declarative statement, like the, the rest of it kind of gets lost in translation. Right. So, I um, mean, oh yeah, oh. go ahead. No, I, I was just going to say, I think like the first thing to keep in mind is that even though, you know, your example of, um, the, the truth campaigns, uh, you know, like live stunt, the, the, Guerrilla marketing, even though like the word guerrilla makes it sound like it's very combative and mm-hmm. and like it, it's not. It's supposed to happen kind of organically and naturally. And if it, if you are going to set out on a guerrilla marketing plan and try to make it highly disruptive, I feel like that kind of violates the first pillar of inbound marketing. Like it's supposed to bring brand awareness in a really kind of natural way to large audiences without interrupting them. So if that means that they have to pass your insulation from point A to point B from their apartment complex to their house, um, you know, it's not like they're going out of their way to try to get to it. And and it's just something they're going to see and observe and maybe stop and think about it there and then continue on to their day and, and it'll continue to stay in their mind. But it's not really supposed to be, um, it's not necessarily combative, which I right. feel like people think, oh, it has to be really obnoxious and really like, no, not necessarily. Like it can be, <laughs> it can be as simple as just some graffiti art around, you know, like all around a city or, or on people's. So I think that that's just something to like keep in mind when you're starting off um, to, to hit something gl- like this. And I think, you know, going with, um, you know, your messaging and, and, and how you're going to talk about this campaign yeah that obviously has to be relevant and with right. it being relevant you have to know who you're talking to which is going to make the decision up for you of like where is it going to happen um you know depending on who you're talking to that answer alone will tell you you know is what platform you're going to share and talk about it on what cities is it going to be most successful and relevant in um you know not even just what cities but like what street in that city what corner in that city what exact location and stuff like that um but I, I I guess that really goes with anything. That's not necessarily specific to guerrilla marketing. Yeah. And I think that kind of leads into the next um, the next step is like, you know, the idea that not all mediums are created equal. You know, if you're if I guess, for example, if you're doing a if you're trying to market a new brand of 
I don't know, pencils, you know, you, you mm-hmm. want to make sure that whatever, <clears throat> whatever medium you use is, is a medium that allows you to take that product or that service and kind of show its full range of capabilities. You know, um, mm-hmm. like if you're, if you're, like I said, if you're trying to market a new brand of, of pencils or pens or some sort of art supply, you know, you're going to want to, you know, graffiti and, and, and opportunities to kind of really have that, that art, have artwork flourish are opportunity are, you know, examples of how you can use the, using the right medium at the right place and time, you know? Um, so I think that's something that's really important is like, you know, going back to what you said, you know, there are certain, you know, cities and, and, and areas that just don't lend themselves properly to a, the debut or like a, the debut of a, a, a branding campaign as much as others. And so that's something that you really have to be mindful of. Um, I'm trying to think if there are any, any examples of where it's kind of like backfired or where somebody's trying to do, and we'll probably we'll we'll talk about this in another and uh, later on in the show. But I guess you know I'm just trying to think of some some ways in which you know people try to do guerrilla marketing. It just didn't it just didn't pan out. You know? Right, just, that would be really sad. I feel like you have so much gusto going forward with the guerrilla marketing plan for it to just like flop would just be really really sad. <laughs> All right. Well, so then we'll, we'll 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 keep it on a positive note then. So I guess yeah, the, the last sure. major step of that is just obvious. And this uh, this goes back to this can be applied to stuff outside of guerrilla marketing. But you know, just making sure you have an ironclad uh, plan in 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 place, a, a strategy in place. Um, you and know. I guess part of that strategy can be like, okay, well, if this thing happens that isn't in our favor, how can we rebound from it before, like in a timely manner? You know, right. I think part of that, part of strategies is not always like, okay, well, we're always going to be successful. It's always going to be great. It's always going to be positive. No, like you have to do some thinking towards like, well, what happens if it doesn't go as good as we hope it to go? And then mm-hmm. if you already have kind of a roadmap of like how we can get back on track, then you will ultimately still be um, more successful if you know, then if you didn't have any kind of um, conversation or solutions as to like what we could do if this didn't go exactly right. how we hoped it to go. Right. Yeah. So just the having a contingency plan in place, mm-hmm. essentially. Yeah, exactly. Like, and that, I guess that that goes back to the idea of just embracing the pivot. You know, sometimes right. sometimes you can have the the best laid plan and it still falls flat or some unforeseen thing kind of comes along and 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 messes everything up. But, you know, if you have a team that's uh, that's that embraces the pivot and is able to kind of like make, you know, take lemons and turn them into lemonade, then, you know, you, you, you might be able to salvage something from that campaign. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think I think that kind of like gives you an idea of what you listeners out there, an idea of what you kind of have to take into consideration before you start executing a guerrilla marketing plan. Um, so to to kind of segue and keep the positive vibes hopefully going, I wanted to uh, bring back <laughs> a, a bring back a, 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 a my one of my favorites segments of the show. Um, take it or leave it. <laughs> you remember you remember yeah. take you remember take it or leave it. Yeah, I think the last time we did it was with pumpkin spice, and there was like oh, so yeah. much hate. Got, so there was just a got, lot of haste. Yeah, things got a little <laughs> heated um, on my end. I just have very strong feelings about the concept of pumpkin spice, but um, I don't want to. I don't want to bring back. No, the, we don't want to bring feelings it back, back up again. So <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna move right along. So as uh, far as our first topic in the and uh, take it or leave it, I want to talk about flash mobs. Uh, I don't know if you remember if you you remember flash mobs. 
Death. Okay. Definitely. Okay. Yeah. So like, you know, just that, that idea of uh, just uh, an impromptu, just out of the blue dance number that just. Like high school musical all the time in real life. Okay. Like the best way to describe <laughs> a flash yeah, that sounds That sounds terrible. That sounds, that oh. sounds awful for me. Um, what? But um, so obviously for me, I, I'm going to I'm going to leave flash mobs in the dust. I hope they never come back. I hope there is oh, never no. a resurgence of flash mobs. They oh. were the bane of my existence for about five to seven years. And, um, you know, they had their time and I, I wish I wish it well and, and, and hope it just rides off into the sunset and uh, wow. dies off gracefully. <laughs> well, I'm going to definitely flip that and say I'm down for the flash mobs if that's not a surprise to anybody. Also, if there's anybody out there currently planning a flash mob, you can hit me up, <laughs> Kelsey Shalou at evokead.com. Let me know. I'll meet up. We'll we'll do a little practice routine and get it. <laughs> so, okay. So, so why? 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 Uh, why, dude, Kelsey? Why? I mean, I'm personally... Just like down to someone asked me the other day, uh, I was like meeting a new friend and I my like one of my first questions was, do you like to dance? And her response was, I like to dance in appropriate situations. <laughs> and I laughed and she said, do you like to dance? And I said, yeah, in appropriate and inappropriate situations. <laughs> and so I feel <laughs> I just feel like flash mobs are fun and bring joy to certain people. And obviously they bring like absolute non joy to other people. But right. I feel like. I don't know. I feel like if I was walking down the street and everyone just broke out in synchronized dance and song, I would like also be happy and my feet would probably be also be moving. So right. I don't know. Yeah. I would just say yes. Cause it would bring me a little bit of joy. <laughs> okay. That's, That's fair. Yeah. Far be it, far be it from me to, to, to keep someone else from experiencing <laughs> joy in whatever way that they see fit. So I'll let you, I'll let you have flash mobs, but I'm, cool. I'm going to have to leave it. I won't, I won't definitely, if I, if anyone does hit me up, I'll make sure that you're not in the area wherever we're planning or I will <laughs> inform you and we'll clear this, have you clear the, clear the Okay. Well, I, that, that I do appreciate. Yeah, I that got you. I appreciate. Um, okay. So next, um, next topic oh. is the, the phrase going against the grain. Mm. I'll take it for take sure. It? Okay. Okay. Any particular reasons yeah. why? Um, yeah, because I mean, if you think about that actual actual phrase, it just means like going in the opposite direction of what runs smoothly. Uh, and I think sometimes it's you have to like experiment with yourself uh, or, you know, I like to run little experiments with myself and how like everything is supposed to go. And then like, OK, well, if I did it a little bit differently, how does it make me feel like does it make me feel better or worse or like right. and I think once you have more information of like how you fit into certain structures or communities, you can like be that best expression right. of however you want to act or be or think. Um, and I think by being able to go against the grain, it also set like with that for me also means like you have to also understand going with the grain because there are certain times where you have to go with the grain um, because you may not be successful. And I've like learned that in all different forms and ways, but sure. overall, yeah, I think it's good to, to kind of recognize, okay, this is what everyone's doing, but like, what if I did it a little bit differently? Would it still work? Would I like it? And then you can make up the decision if you want to go with or against the grain. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm on the fence, so I'm in the middle hmm. when it comes to this one. Um, I, okay. So I like the concept. I'm all about the concept of going against the grain. I, albeit, I, 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 I never advise anyone to go against the grain just for the sake of going against the grain. You know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. but on the, on the, so I like the concept. I, I just, I'm not a big fan of the term itself. 
I mean, it's it's very right. cliche, and I understand that there are cli- certain cliche. The cliches are called cliches for a reason because they work. You know, they're ubiquitous, right. and everybody recognizes them, and they just work. Um, so, I mean, I get that idea, but I kind of put against the grain in the same um, category as like thinking outside the box, and you know, yeah, that being, one I don't really like. Right, like being a <laughs> being a maverick, like things like that. I'm not I'm not right. a big fan of those like those catch those catchphrases. Um, so I yeah, again, I like the concept i like the idea the theory behind sure, going the against phrase, the grain but the i think we just need phrase. a we need a new phrase i think we just need a new gotcha. phrase for it um just being original being authentic well even being authentic i feel like is is kind of jumped the shark a little bit um right. but like yeah just that people idea. being unique like what is unique <laughs> like what is <laughs> that yeah what does that mean like yeah. <laughs> i don't know what unique means it's like not like the next person but that doesn't make you right doesn't necessarily make you compelling you can be unique, mm-hmm. but not not compelling. Um, but yeah, that, I'm 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 a fence sitter on that one. Um, okay. okay, moving on to the next one: graffiti, Fair. graffiti as a legitimized art form. Mm. Well, this came up multiple times, both separately for separate mm-hmm. separate reasons. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'm gonna take it. I'm gonna I'm gonna for sure take it. I think this also has it. Like, there's a difference between like just. Um, graffiti kind of as an obnoxious like vandalism art which isn't necessarily cool but graffiti as in um as in like you know using particular tools and in a method for sure i'll take it i lived with a a, one of my one of the people that lived in my apartment buildings when i was living in colorado was like a legitimate um you know graffiti artist but Mm -hmm. he he didn't say go outside and like tag stuff up but like his his preferred method of like art was spray you know spray paint and he had his whole really really sweet setup and he was so so talented and he'd give us like you know he'd, he'd invite us over and we would like take uh like really old cheap like dollar records mm-hmm. uh you've probably seen like youtube videos of people on the street like making crazy like outer space um pictures what have you ever seen that before brian where you take like a cup or like a bowl or some kind of like circular thing and like you continue to layer paint on top of it and then you take like newspaper and you press it up against where all this like wet spray paint is and when you lift it up it has like this really cool kind of outer space looking texture to it oh no i don't think i've ever i'll have to send i'll have to send you a video after after the pod but like you know he he taught us a bunch of really cool things and i still to this day have like some graffiti art that i i've had a hand in creating so yes I'll, i'll for sure take it Okay. Yeah. Same. I am a big fan of graffiti. Um, I like the idea of graffiti, especially when it's done by a very like a reputable artist or someone who's just really good at what they do. Um, right. It's just one of those opportunities to really like street art in general has always been like yeah. something that I've been into. Um, and so I, I will always and forever kind of like uh, support the 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 uh, the anonymous and and named street artists mm-hmm. out there in the world who are just you know trying to make the world a better place you know one one building at a time so <laughs> cool um so yeah so the 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 final the final topic for take it or leave it um this is a saying that I've heard um, an inordinate amount of times re- uh, lately. Um, so I kind of just wanted to throw it out there into the arena and see how you felt about it. But um, sure. the uh, the saying, it's better to beg for forgiveness than ask for permission. Yeah, and this is more um, so as it, as it pertains to like, I guess you, as it pertains to um, guerrilla marketing and like, you know, commandeering certain spaces without certain permissions or maybe like at a last minute notice. Mm-hmm. Like, so, so, so how do you feel okay. about that saying? Well, in that specific, specific like setting that mm-hmm. changes my mind about it, I was initially going to say like 
in in life for me right like also right now i feel like this is something that could phase in and phase out depending on how like kelsey's feeling like right in in but like i think in that space i would say take it um i think you have to sometimes take risks and you might be wildly successful if you don't or if you do take that risk and if you don't take that risk because someone like there was some like lame like reason why you couldn't be on that specific street or something like that then like you know i I really love uh, wheat paste outdoor marketing and mm-hmm. in Los, Los Angeles is like absolutely covered with wheat paste. And I just think it's so, 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 so cool. And wheat paste isn't necessarily like no one's buying that space. It could be you could, you know, put it up wherever you want on like an old construction fence or, you know, something like that. And then the next day it could be ripped down or the next day someone else's wheat paste could be like pasted over what you just put up and there's no really like rules on how that space is being regulated. Um, so in that space, I'll, I'll say, yeah, I'll take this, um, that sometimes it's cool to take a, to be a little edgy and take a risk. And then if it, if it flops, just ask for forgiveness later. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's a very succinct way to kind of like to, 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 to answer that one. And I, I totally agree. I think that's, I think it's a situation where, there's nothing wrong with taking risks and then, you know, having to ask for that that forgiveness after the fact. But I think it makes it a lot easier to ask for forgiveness if that risk ended up being successful, you know. Um, yes, so I think I think it, it, it's 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 better to take calculated risks. I think that's, yes, that's I was going to say be intelligent about this. Yeah, yeah. It could, anyone listening, like calculate out that like what you're talking about, it should be, right. it should be a very low stake punishment or like potential, like negative risk, very right. low risk. I think to take something like this, you know, yeah, just, uh, just don't go out there and start wilding out, you know, right. with other people's, with other people's budgets and, and no one can <laughs> get hurt. Like don't like put people in harm, like nothing crazy. Right. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> that's awesome. All right. Well, I think that's a great opportunity to kind of wrap up this episode. Um, as always, I'd like to thank you, Kelsey, for taking the time to hang out with us today. Um, and if you guys out there in listener land have any questions, comments or concerns, be sure to send them to provoke. That's P-R-O-V-O-K at evokead.com and follow us on all of our social media channels to uh, kind of keep up with our contributions to the advertising world. Um, so keeping in the the guerrilla marketing uh, theme for this episode, um, our quote today is, comes from pretty much the guy who coined the term, uh, J. Conrad Levinson. And when it comes to finding the right guerrilla marketing campaign, he said, you don't need many. You need only one good one. And with that said, y'all take care.